for joining us for another edition of Sister Speak Live, the podcast. I'm Tracy Michelle, your host and creator of Sister Speak. Click like, click share, and invite someone to join us for today's podcast. You're going to get some valuable information. We're going to have fun. We're going to laugh. Our theme today is Leaders with Purpose, and we have as our special guest, Dr. Brian Lamont Monfort Sr., and he is the senior pastor of the Philippian Baptist Church in Lima, Ohio, and of course, his lovely wife, First Lady Teresa Monfort. So we're going to get into our discussion today, but we're also, as we're talking about leaders with purpose, we're going to talk about building community, building healthy community outside of the four walls of the church. We're going to talk about balance, finding balance while walking in and fulfilling our purpose here in the earth. Balance when it comes to leading the Lord's church and having a healthy home life, creating healthy boundaries. So stay tuned. Let us know um, if you have any comments, any questions, feel free to DM us, reach out to us, and we will get those answers for you. But again, Thank you for joining us, Dr. Monford. Yes, I am so happy to have you guys here with me today. I'm honored. I am so honored. Um, In your bio, I mean, I have so much I want to talk about with you all. So I hope we can get to it all within this hour. But in your bio, um, because we're going to just jump right into this. Um, You started pastoring at the age of 24. Yes, ma'am. Wow. How was that like you at that young age? I am. Um, it was it was breathtaking and kind of overwhelming. I came back home to pastor my own church. I was way in college and uh, came home. It wasn't the best of circumstances because my pre- predecessor uh, and the church separated under, under unfavorable conditions. So I had the tension of how to balance that out and yeah. the church for it. But uh, it, it was overwhelming, but I, I don't regret it for a moment. Amen. How did you find balance with that at, at that age, at 24? It's like, I remember when my son was 24. <laughs> you know, that that's young. As I look at my children now, we have four children, and uh, I think our youngest is 23. She'll be 24 in uh, July. Uh I'm I'm just in awe at how God can use me then and give me a level of maturity. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think much of it was born out of my uh, upbringing, some of the challenges we had that kind of accelerated me Mm -hmm. uh, mentally and spiritually. Mm -hmm. Wow. And as you mentioned challenges, um, I just want to read something from your from your bio. Um, it states it was in the aftermath of your mother's brutal murder and your attempt to deal with it. Um, you learned what it meant to be a Christian through troubled times. And you therefore answered the call to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ at the young age of 17. Yes, wow. Yes, and your passion is to share a message that gives strength and hope to those who suffer. Yes, so even at 17. Now we've gone from 24 now we're going back to yes, 17 ma'am. Yes, ma'am. to preach the gospel. How did you know that the, that you were called to preach the gospel? It was an overwhelming burden that I just knew God had 
chosen me for ministry uh, and particularly for preaching ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I fought that for a moment because I wanted to experience some of the typical things that uh, teenagers uh, at 17 would experience. And I was looking forward to becoming old enough to go into the clubs and do it and have all that kind of stuff. And, you know, um, but there came a moment when without, you know, any kind of cloud in my mind, God just gave me clarity that he wanted me set apart early in life uh, so that I could give him the best of me. And um, it, it was a challenge, but because, again, of the things that we dealt with, my brother and I at a young age, it gave me a desire to kind of be focused on it. So um, I look at now, you know, I'm 55, and I look back on that, and I wouldn't, I can't, I wouldn't change that. 55? Yes, man. No way. No way. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I I just, you've appeared, you're so easy to talk to. I mean, um, I remember when um, my son, was battling COVID and when the Lord um, spoke to me to call you um, I didn't really know you I knew you know my, my son had relationship with you so definitely I knew you through him but to to be introduced to you through the unctioning of the Holy Spirit to just call you um, it was you specifically that the Lord said call him I want him to to talk to GQ, I want him to pray for him. Um, that that stood out to me. That let me know that there was something that God put in you specifically um, for that moment. And um, even how my son always talked about you all the time. Um, I'm just really humbled to even be able to sit across the table from you guys. Um, but but at that time, when I called you, now this wasn't originally in my questions, but I, I feel it right now. Um, when I called you, um, what were your thoughts? Because I, I was like, this man going to think I'm crazy. No, ma'am. I, first of all, I, I, I'm humbled by nature. It's, you know, people... When I was coming up as a young preacher, they would always say, "Be make sure you remain humble." Yeah. And as I look back on it, I don't, I don't know what it's like to not be humble. It's not something I have to work at. It. It's mm-hmm. second nature to me because I know that I get to do what I do, yeah. uh, and there's a difference between the get and the God. Mm-hmm. You know, God it means it's obligation. You know, get to is a privilege. So. For I love that. Say that again. <laughs> I tell people the difference that makes a difference in ministry and the perspective is the E and the T between the G. The E and the O between mm. the G and the T because oftentimes we think we got to do it. And that means it brings frustration and mm-hmm. it's an obligation. But when you get to do it and have that mindset, you say, you know, God gave me the privilege that uh, Elder Lee would call me and entrust me to talk to her son whom she loves and who's battling COVID. So I I, I didn't think you were crazy. I just was <laughs> grateful that yeah. he thought enough of me 
you know, because I know Greg has met many pastors and mm -hmm. his ministry with what he does. He's a gift to the body of Christ that he thought enough of me to talk to you and his father. Uh, it just meant the world to me. So yeah. I, I was even, you know, really became even more humble about that, that, that you know, I, that you trust me to pray for your son and trust the Holy Spirit to figure the yes. father called me. So it, yes. it, was, it was my privilege. I tell you, it really left um, such an impression on me. And it, there were many other pastors I could have called and um, and that did pray for him. But when God put you in my spirit to contact you, um, that that just really let me know that God loves you. Um, and you were definitely chosen by God. So I, I appreciate that. I really do. I'm going to move on because I'll cry about him. You know? I'm 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 I will. Because it wasn't many days after that that, you know, he was able to come home. That was a really um, trying experience. And I thank God because he was able to come home, you know. Um, and um, I, yeah. Woo. Mm, mm, mm. I just give God praise for that. I really, really do. Um, now I have to think about where I want to go next. <laughs> you know, with um, the battle that you are the traumatizing time, um, talk about what happened with your mom and during that time that you were you were called. My my mother uh, was murdered when I was fourteen, and um, she's a beautiful woman, uh, beautiful woman, and I'm not just saying that as um, because it's a bias, but even when I look back on portraits of my mother today, she was beautiful. She had a great spirit, um, but I think that from a psychological perspective, I think maybe self esteem issues would allow her to get involved with individuals, men who, individual men who didn't have her best interests at heart. Um, my mother uh, was in love with a man who really took advantage of her naivete and, uh, in fact, um, you know, led her into drug addiction, which led her into prostitution. Mm -hmm. And so to feed her habit and to feed his, my mother, uh, got into prostitute. I, prostitution, I I'm very careful that she wasn't a prostitute, gotcha. but she was prostituted. Gotcha. And so, um, it, it, you know, growing up with those challenges, um, we, my brother and I were old enough and um, mature enough because of the kind of trauma and tragedy that goes along with it, that we observed it, what was going on. So this black man, led my mother to the streets and on February the 8th 1981 my mother was murdered by a white man mm. uh, in Lyme, Ohio uh, 40 plus years ago and it, the, um, the, the the guy never went to jail um, mm. or anything like that and so I, I think when you look at my ministry everything about my ministry is somewhat birthed out of the pain and the trauma of my youth. Uh, we have a ministry called the Mary Alice House. You know? yeah. And uh, it's named after our mother. And 
My brother and I named it that because it reminds us what the purpose of the ministry is, and I hope it is is that to uh, be the buffer or the um, the way of escape for young women who may be tempted mm-hmm. to be abused and used and left out in the streets like our mother. So we're saying we're tr- we're trying to get our do overs and mm-hmm. to save Mary Alice in the person of. Charlotte or or Sherry or you know whomever it may mm-hmm. be and we've been doing that ministry for 20 plus years now and it is wow. a, such a blessing for us so when, when, when we when I was 14 she was murdered 17 my whole ministry was about um, trying to uh, speak a message that will encourage us to be who we are tell people we um, some people say, well, that child was an accident. No, I don't think God allows accidents to yeah. uh, manifest in such a way. I think even though we weren't planned, we were born on purpose for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. my desire is to try to help people meet their God-given purpose. So with the Mary Alice house, um, look into that camera and encourage some woman that may be viewing this podcast that may be in a abusive or traumatic situation right now um, and encourage her or say something about the Mary Alice house that would let them know that there's hope. There's a place you can come to. One of the things I try to do is I try to um, take sisters and even brothers in particular situations of abuse and drug addiction, alcoholism, and have you to stand in front of the mirror. And when you look in the mirror, um, don't just see the, 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 the reflection of the you, who you are. Use your uh, spiritual imagination and see the you, whom you can be. And um, it, throughout all the things you're going through, a place like the Mary Alice House and other places like that are set aside, and I believe God gifted to give you a way of escape so that you can begin to get on the right road. Sometimes uh, physical bondage is one thing, but spiritual bondage is at a whole different level. And you have the means to break free physically. Come to us or people like us and let us help you break free spiritually and mentally uh, and loose the shackles of uh, PTSD and all the other traumas that go along with it. So, that's what Mary Alice's house is about, and uh, I believe other shelters, or not even shelters, or we call ours a sober living house, to give you that chance to make a fresh start. And by the grace of God, mm-hmm. we've had over a thousand clients in the last 20 years, and nothing makes us feel better than to see persons who could barely make it into the house. Now, mm-hmm. every person who works for us was a former resident or client. Oh, wow. So we hire from within and uh, they run. My brother who was, Bruce was uh, addicted to drugs, did seven years of uh, prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to go to crack houses and kick mm-hmm. the door in and <laughs> drag him out. And mm. got to the point they wouldn't let him come and get high there anymore because they say, listen, <laughs> Pastor Moffat's coming, coming out here. Yeah. So, uh, he, on his way out of prison, the last time we picked him up, we were driving north on Main Street in line, oh, south, yeah, north, south on Main Street in line. 
And he just started crying. I said, mm-hmm. what you crying? He said, I messed my whole life up. Mm-hmm. He was he was 33, 34. I said, Bruce, said, whatever you've done on this side of such and such an age doesn't matter. You have the rest of your life yes. to do even better things. And he has, he single-handedly has one of the most powerful ministries in the city of Lila. Wow. He's the executive director of the Mayor House House. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he, we That's have amazing. contracts with the state of Ohio who came to us, judges and prosecutors and probation officers. Mm-hmm. They think very highly of my brother in the ministry. That he awesome. Has. So uh, he's a testament of what a woman or a man can become, mm-hmm. whatever the trauma might be. Wow. So tell us how one would contact the Mary Alice House. You can uh, contact Philippian Baptist Church. Give us a call. Uh, we're in the, you just pull us up anywhere and you mm-hmm. can find us. Or you can call the Mary Alice House and just say, I heard about this and uh, I'm interested. We have people who come from all over the country. We have people from California from really? uh, yes we've had them from everywhere you can name it we they come lawyers doctors mm-hmm. doctors children uh, you name it we've had them uh, that is amazing so uh, it, it's a it's a it's a God thing and yes and I my brother does not have the degrees that I have but mm-hmm. he's far more educated than I am mm-hmm. he is um, he is. Very, 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 very gifted and called mm-hmm. to this ministry. And I, I, I want to say this if I'm not taking up too much. No, I want to say no, this no, part, no. Go ahead. That oftentimes what happens in the black church is that everyone who is called to ministry thinks mm-hmm. it's a pulpit ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Bruce is a minister of the gospel, but his call is to the Mary Alice House. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of ministry going lacking because people want to be isolated inside the four walls of the church instead of going and exercising their gift in the marketplace and in the community. Yeah, that's something that um, I had two other ladies that actually um, share this platform with me. Um, And a lot of our conversation is centered around, you know, being out in the community. You know, that I believe that's where our greatest ministry is. It's not there's nothing wrong with the being inside the four walls, but there is ministry outside. That's when we talk about building community. If you don't go out there, you know, how are you going to ever reach them? Because they don't always watch us on TV, you know. You got to get out in the community. So that's awesome. I just think that's an awesome work that you are doing. And while we're on that particular topic, tell me what you would share, um, Pastor. What would you share with other pastors and leaders as it relates to pastoring during the pandemic? I I still feel like we're, you know, in the pandemic. Um, But what would you share with other leaders and pastors about pastoring during this Don't be afraid to admit what you don't know Mm -hmm. and to seek help from those who do. Uh, The pandemic was not anything that I was taught about, uh, prepared for in seminary training and Mm -hmm. uh, anything like that. So even with an earned doctorate degree, 
the reality is this is something unlike we've ever we could have not we could not have fathomed what we're dealing with. Um, I think what I have observed is that those who make it are those who are, are transparent enough to say I need help, mm-hmm. and we we as a moderator of the district that's mm-hmm. you know, we had to shift from the traditional stuff and being willing to get outside of the box the message will always and should be the same but yes. the methodology should be pliable mm-hmm. um in fluid um i think i we've shifted in our church i started uh, last month and a half on reset and you know rethinking the process of the method which with which we are operating we will never go back to pre-pandemic behavior and survive. Right. As we have to make sure, Paul said, I have to come all things to all people that I might miss. I'm so, let me monophrodize this. I become whatever I need to be to adjust to the yes. person of pandemic that mm-hmm. I have to deal with. And so I think that that's where we are today. And to pastors, mental health uh, is so... Uh, important to yeah. make sure that we are t- doing self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in 2011, I ran into a brick wall a million miles a second and the wall didn't move. Mm. And I walked away from the, my church for two, two and a half months. And I had to literally just in khakis or blue jeans and tennis shoes travel all over the country just with no watch. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't wear a watch. I would go to church and I would sit in the back of the church where someone didn't know me mm-hmm. because I needed to be fed. Yeah. Um, I think that the pandemic uh, is bringing a heightened awareness of the pastor and the and the risk of imploding, mm-hmm. um, hemorrhaging, mm-hmm. Uh, and even dying. Yes. Uh, I know friends who turned to alcoholism. Mm-hmm. They turned to alcohol, and it resulted in alcoholism. And um, it's it's a it's a hurtful thing because the reality is is that you have to uh, you have to face that reality. It, it, we are not supermen and women. Mm-hmm. And there's night for all of us. So. Yeah. I think the key is is be true to who you are, mm-hmm. admit what you don't know, yeah. and align yourself with people who can help you get to where you need to be. Yeah, you know another one of the things that um, just as uh, God is speaking just at this table, I I appreciate the fact that you don't have a hard shell. Yes. Um, you don't mind showing emotion. Um. And your passion is just strong. I, I can I can tell that. Um, but I really appreciate um, that you don't have that hard shell. Like you just got it all, you know, figured out. Um, and um, one of the the other things, really, as it comes to pastoring. Um, 
you know, we have pastors who are turning away from, you know, being coming on live. I don't know if your services are on live or streamed um, and that are turning away from, you know, certain things. But um, and I don't question when, you know, if God told you to do that, that's what God told you to do. Um, but when it comes to um, that compassion, when it comes to reaching outside of the four walls um, and still speaking about the pandemic, um, what what were or what was that one thing that you knew that Philippian had to do to maintain still reaching out? Um, be honest about the fact that the church has been behind because of a fear of breaking outside of the box of tradition. Mm -hmm. um, some things we resist are purely because of what we were taught 40, 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. And here we are 40, 50 years later. We didn't have Facebook Live. We didn't have website access 50 plus years ago. And mm -hmm. if we did, we didn't know about it. Well, I don't think Al Gordon. <laughs> but we didn't have that kind of stuff. And so what happens is, is be youthful enough to thirst for continued knowledge. Yeah. And I think that the Philippian has realized that there are things that we have to do to contain, to maintain relevancy. We've just spent quite a few um, dollars on upgrading our sound system. We're getting ready. We're getting bids on a new camera system. Mm -hmm. um, GQ is gonna, he's gonna get me because he keeps trying to tie me down to get our website finished. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we just have to, we have surrendered to the devil what God owns. Yeah. The earth is the Lord's and the fools thereof. I mean, everything that there is in existence, God owns. Mm -hmm. And we have given it to the devil and given to the devil what is ours by divine birth and right. Yeah. And so here's, we we don't want to be, we give the devil, he, the internet is the devil's airway. No, if we surrender it to him, it becomes that. So just like we can have salacious videos and uh, less than classy presentations yeah. on the internet, yeah. why not inundate uh, the internet with the things of God and watch this here, not just in a traditional setting, laugh yes. you know, stop being stuck up and stiff and you know, laugh I mean, we do stuff at our house with our children where we'll get on and and, and cut up and you see mm -hmm. us looking at R&B uh, on YouTube and when Bobby Walmack starts singing have me everything just gets crazy. You know? Oh, I'm sorry, did I say that over here? But we do that. We do that kind of stuff, and people think that that's just a moment. It is, although it's a candid moment, mm -hmm. it is not without deliberate, it's not about intentionality because yeah. I want people to see that my home is like yours. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. Now, the difference is, is that my home 
has been dedicated, committed, and saturated in Christ. But being in Christ does not mean you cannot have a that joy, right. fun. Right. Uh, and I don't, I don't like people, uh, uh, elderly coming to my my house at certain moments, and all they want to do is praise the Lord, Hallelujah, Thank you, Jesus. No, mm-hmm. we want to have some fun. So I think the church has <laughs> to be relevant, uh, and uh, you know, you can be relevant and without. Without you losing principles, yeah. yeah. There, there's a time and a season for everything. everything. Yes, ma'am. And and I know at my home, um, when you get him and my daughters together, it's going to be a comedic time. Yes, ma'am. Um, in fact, we all text each other every day. <laughs> and if this this one right here, he got comedy. If he is, it's comedy, it's cooking, it's yeah. all of those things, and laughter is a part of our home. So, um, yeah, you won't get that when you come to my house. You're not gonna get the, you know, the hallelujah, amen, and yes, all that. It, it has its place. It has its place, absolutely. We have our times of yeah, prayer, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. But then we gonna laugh, absolutely. we gonna laugh and have fun. Yeah, so, um, then my kids know now if you said. Let's work that out before you get here. That's right. And um, yes, but we we gonna laugh. So and that's good. So good to know. So good to know. I just like (laughs) y'all. So you um also have um the Quest Academy Community School. We we shut that down a few years ago. Did you okay? From and here's the the situation. And I need to give this here for us as black people. Oftentimes, we think if it's black, it is not right. Mm-hmm. And I won't say the other part. Mm-hmm. You know, but <laughs> the point is, is that we paid a premium dollar for, with insurance and we could not get African-American teachers to come work for us. Now, wow. we were there for 14 years mm-hmm. uh, and did a great work. Uh, we have students that are graduating from college right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, and have graduated and gone beyond our daughters attended. Both of them are college graduates. Mm-hmm. Uh, several of their friends that attended mm-hmm. are college graduates. Uh, but what happened with Quest is that black people don't support black black businesses, black institutions, mm-hmm. because we think that they're shoddy or you can be uh, lacks in your responsibility. So mm-hmm. we, uh, if I couldn't do it right mm-hmm. and do it with the original vision uh, coming to fruition, I'd rather get them back into traditional school yeah. and work hard with in mm-hmm. partnership with them, which we absolutely do be yeah. That's um that's really that's something to think about. Yes, um, and I hope that our African American teachers that are watching this will. You know, take note of that. It's, it's something We've to think had about. opportunities to start it again. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, one of the legislators and legislators in the uh, state of Ohio, we, we have funding. It's just you want to do it right. Yeah, you don't just yeah. want to exist. You want to yeah, so yeah. You know, um, Pastor, I recently um, I haven't read the book by. Um, Pastor Teray Roberts, he has a new book out okay. about balance, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, and that's been kind of like a topic of discussion lately. You know, because um, I just think as as African Americans, as Blacks, we don't 
a lot of times find balance. So whether it's from being a pastor to being a father to being a husband, you know, for us being grandparents, you have to find that balance. How do you not allow the church to overwork you to the point that there's no balance between my priorities are straight, but much of my balance is attributed to my wife handles all my scheduling. Mm-hmm. Um, my children are their their prop their number one priorities in our life. Uh, I I've seen so often where uh, pastors um, the stereotypical uh, belief about uh, PKs for mm-hmm. just kids mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. and I I wasn't gonna. Surrender to that thought. Yes. Uh, so what we we try to do, my wife and I, we she is the engineer of the balance for our household. I mean, from my schedule to you say yes, yeah, you know. So mm. and so that means well, I something. Submit, so she has authority in that area. Yeah, yeah. And she has such a sweet spirit about saying no. People say, you know what, you're right. They'll call me and I'll say yeah, and then she'll call back and say, you know, Pastor. Been running for too much, and we need to do this, that, and the other. And he needs his rest. And before you know, they said, Well, you tell him you receive the invitation. So, <laughs> so, but it's a, it's a blessing yeah. um, to do that. I saw something from TD Jakes on um, social media, and it just hit me like a sledgehammer. He had his staff up on the stage, and he was showing the uh, given what their different job descriptions yes. were, and mm-hmm. he talked about. Uh, distributing the weight. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mm-hmm. that pastors don't know how to do it. When I was a young preacher, pastor, I used to want keys to every door in the church. Now I only have keys to maybe one or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's deliberate because I don't want, like when they call me, I say, well, I don't have a key. You need to call the custodian or mm-hmm. something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, but my, I, I wanted to make sure that my children um, that our children grew up to be what I was trying to make other people's children become. Yeah. Uh, and we're fortunate. My God is knock on wood. God has blessed us. <laughs> no, God has blessed us with four beautiful children, two mm-hmm. sons and two daughters. Our oldest son is a accounting and finance major by training. God mm-hmm. uh, has a very good job. Youngest son is uh, mechanical engineer, uh, and he's a musician. He just sold out four city tour in Ohio. And that's something. Well, he plays jazz and, and mm-hmm. gospel, and it, just to see him was a blessing. Our daughters live here in Cincinnati. Yes. And both of them are employed, thank you, Lord, and, <laughs> and degreed and educated. So mm-hmm. we're excited about what they, what they do. But so that's my. Mm. I think that you know to see our our children do what they do is our greatest accomplishment. Not Philippian, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. the prophet, the pastor, to grow the biggest church or kill his home. So, yeah. So I don't think this is scripture. Oh, I think it because it works. <laughs> <laughs> You're speaking the truth, though. Yeah, you know, yeah, you're speaking the truth. We to, so we balance it. 
I'm, I'm very guarded. I don't give my personal number to everyone. Mm-hmm. Call the church mm-hmm. except for one. I, I'm an extrovert, so I love people. So I have to overrule myself. Yeah. To yeah. not be so easily available. Our deacons are taught, and our church has been taught that the first visitors in situations should not be the pastor. It should be the servant. That the the servant leaders who are mm-hmm. deacons. Um, I don't mind going to hospitals and places like that, um, uh, and I will and I do, mm-hmm. but we we don't want deacons who are just good at devotion. We try to help with that. So balance is so important because I see so often that we're on the road and we're uh, involved in ministry. And our children, our household is just in samples. And I, I, that is my greatest joy. That is so that awesome. That is my greatest joy that uh, I can, you know, I just thank God for that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I do, I do, I do, I really do because we, we've done a decent job so far. That's good. That's so good. I just love you. <laughs> <laughs> Sister Speak is a caring community of women devoted to Christ. As iron sharpens iron, so one woman sharpens another. Hi, this is Zoe. Don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe to Sister Speak on YouTube. Stay up to date, join our email list, and follow our blog at www.iamtracymichelle.com.